0: Shalom brothers and sisters, I'm Brother Sid of the Commandment Keepers Church, and we have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson is, Defeating Darkness, Defeating Darkness. Brothers and sisters, today will be an extensive lesson, a historical lesson, not only historical but educational, instructional. For not only Jews, not only Israelites, but Gentiles also, brothers and sisters. We're going to teach our people, we're going to teach the children of Israel and the Gentiles to play chess and not checkers. Today's lesson will be how to play chess in the truth, brothers and sisters. Let's go to John, the third chapter, the 19th and the 20th verse. <coughs> We're going to the Gospel of John, the third chapter in the 19th verse. And once again, what is the title? Defeating Darkness. This is for Jews and Gentiles, Israelites and Gentiles alike. Doesn't matter your race. If you found yourself on this broadcast, this podcast, you have a responsibility. And we plan on showing that today, utilizing the Bible. We're going to start at John. The third chapter in the 19th verse. John 3 and 19 reads, And this is condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So brothers and sisters, we first must understand the Hebrew concept of light and darkness. Light reveals truth and exposes what is hidden. Darkness is the emblem of ignorance. Let us read that again. John, the third chapter in the 19th verse read, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved so according to the text brothers and sisters the only way to defeat darkness is by introducing the light give light and the darkness will disappear of itself so here we see that wickedness can only go undetected in darkness right so this is What we'll do, because I've learned, what I've found, brothers and sisters, what I've discovered is that light is the best disinfectant. So we're going to show our people and also our brothers, the Gentiles, how to shed light, utilizing the true gospel. What are we going to shed light on? Let's go to Revelations, the second chapter in the ninth verse. What will we shed light on? Revelations, the second chapter in the ninth verse reads, I know thy works in tribulation, in poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Let me read that again, brothers and sisters. Revelations, the second chapter in the ninth verse, and it reads, I know thy works in tribulation, in poverty, But thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So there's a couple of things that we learn in this text, brothers and sisters. The principle, one of the principles that's being conveyed here is that you can be rich without wealth. How do we know? Because he said, I know your poverty, but you are rich. Brothers and sisters in the Bible poverty many times means someone who's being subjugated, someone who's not being treated equally. I encourage you to look that up. Poverty doesn't mean, many times in the Bible, money, okay? But for some reason, you know, well, I know why we have dealt in this Western world and we start putting a Western world context on Eastern culture, right? Let us show you that poverty has nothing to do, in this text, in most texts, have nothing to do with money. Revelations 2 and 9, and it reads, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of, of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So there's a couple of things here, brothers and sisters. If this word poverty in this text is speaking about wealth, then how is he saying that he knows the poverty of the Jews, but you're rich? How can you be impoverished and rich? See? So we don't carelessly skim through the Bible, brothers and sisters. Throughout the manuscript, poverty or someone, you know, a text saying that people are impoverished. When you look at it in the Hebrew in the Greek, depending on which uh, testament you're in, new or old, It tells you of people who are being oppressed. So most times in the Bible, when it's talking about someone being poor or impoverished, it's talking about uh, uh, it's talking about people being oppressed. Okay, so let's deal with that, because the text is telling you that the real Jews would be oppressed. Right. Let's just read that again. Revelations 2 and 9 reads, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So here we see there's a misidentification of who a real Jew is in the last days, brothers and sisters, right? Most people who call themselves Jews do not meet the biblical criteria of being a Jew because this text is telling you these people would be oppressed, right? Yes, they would be oppressed. Yes, they would have poverty, yes, but they would be spiritually wealthy, right? It tells you what, there's a people calling themselves Jews, but God knows they are not. They're actually the synagogue of Satan. Now the question is, who Worship in synagogues. Who worship in synagogues, brothers and sisters? Type in the word synagogue closest to me or synagogue near me and see what pictures pop up. See? So there's a people claiming to be Jews who are not. And the Most High God is saying, I know the truth. And those who found this podcast, this broadcast, this channel, you know the truth also. What are we going to do about it? What will we do about it? And we're going to go from we're going to jump all around the Bible today, brothers and sisters. We're going to go from the Torah to the Tanakh to the Apocrypha to the to the New Testament. We're here at the end in Revelations, which is the last days, and it's telling you there's going to be a people claiming to be Jews and are not. Those people are not being oppressed. They own the basketball teams. They own the football teams. They're the Spielbergs, the Wisemans, the wisebergs right? Who is this referring to? It's referring to who? The blacks, the natives, the Hispanics. That's who this text is referring to. Let us go to Deuteronomy 32 and 7. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter in the 7th verse, and it reads... Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. So, brothers and sisters, according to the text, we are to consider the events of ancient days and former ages. Now, there's a group of people that out there who say, "Well, now, forget the past. That was 400 years ago. That was 500 years ago." That's contrary to the Bible, right? So you can't tell the people to forget about slavery, but yet you're celebrating uh, July 4th, right? You're celebrating July 4th, which transpired the original in the context of their holiday was in the 1700s. See, so you have to pick and choose. You're either going to forget the past or you're not, but you can't tell us to forget our past. And then you celebrate Independence Day. You see that let us read that again because moses has given us clear instructions here deuteronomy the 32nd chapter in the seventh verse and it reads remember the days of old consider the years of many generations ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee so brothers and sisters this also shows the importance of Israel's men being endowed with the knowledge of the literature because he said ask your father and he should show you ask your elders now our people our fathers many of our fathers never knew they were the Israelites never knew many of our elders don't know still today that they are the Israelites so this is for men, because why a man or a, you know a woman A child should be able to come to the men in their family to be endowed with the wisdom, to be instructed, not according to your heart, but according to God's heart, according to biblical history. Can we do that? Can we do that, brothers and sisters? No, we cannot. There's a new generation that's coming up, because remember, the Bible says that he would speak to my people or his people, our people, through the mouth of babes. So it's now the youth that have found this information and have now ran with the baton, going to their family members, right? To say, listen, we are these people. We are the people that crossed the Red Sea. And what happens? Most of our older generation reject it. Why? Because the older you get, the more set in your ways you are. That's why, remember, in the wilderness, the most high had to kill off the older generation. Right. Remember, Joshua, Caleb, led us in. He had to kill off the older generation. Why? Because nothing mattered. There was just a lot of complaining going on. Right. So now you have this this young generation with the truth. And they're strong. And they're going to be vigilant. And it's upon the, the older generation to do what to listen I'm going to read that again just to prove that what? Two things. The Bible says we are to remember history. That's one. The second thing it tells you is that the men are responsible for the dissemination of knowledge to the nation. So we can look at our nation right now and tell that men, uh, you know, as the Bible says, the, uh, the strong men are famished. They don't even study the Bible anymore. Let us read that. Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter in the seventh verse. And it reads, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee. By elders and they will tell thee. You see that, brothers and sisters? So we learn two things from this text in the Torah. Number one, we are supposed to remember the past. We are supposed to remember the past. And number two, men are responsible for instructing their nation. Now, what did we say? We said we we were going to learn how to play chess and not checkers. What is the conspiracy? The conspiracy is that there's another people claiming to be Israelites. There's another people claiming to be the Hebrews of the Bible. There's another people claiming to be the Jews. Who are they? The synagogue of Satan according to the Bible. And what do they say? Most people will say, well, I asked a brother many years ago, but I never forgot it. Well, brother, if you're saying we're not the Jews, who are the Jews? See, that's where I go, brothers and sisters. And he went on to tell me, well, the Jews are the people in the land. I'm like, huh? The Jews are the people that are in the land right now? Huh? Because why? The Bible will tell you that there has been many people living in Israel who are not Israelites. Many. So you can't point to the land of Israel and say, well, because they live in the land, they're the Israelites. No, listen, if I move to Korea, I'm, that doesn't make me Korean. That makes me a black man or a Jew in Korea. See, that, that garbage only passes on the simple. That, okay, because, you know, let's say... For example, white people live in America, they're American. No, (laughs) you're not American. You're not American. The Americans, if they were anybody, would be the natives. What happens if you're born in the Pacific Ocean on a ship? Are you a Pacific Oceaner? See? So if you ask the right questions, brothers and sisters, you'll see that the people you believe are smart really have no clue what they're talking about. Now, this is for Jews and Gentiles today. Let us prove that, you know, 700 years before Christ, you had other nations in our land. Let's go to 2 Kings, the 17th chapter, the 23rd and 24th verse. We're here at 2 Kings 17 and 23, and it reads, Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he has said by all of his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria this day. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, from Kathar, from Wah, from Hamath, from Sepharium, and placed them in the cities of Samaria, instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. See? So here the text teaches us that this king removed one people entirely and substituted others in their place. Of, of these people came the Samaritans, we often read of in the literature. See, this is why Christ said, go not unto the way of the Samaritans or into Samaria, which was northern Israel. You see that because those were not Israelites. And I know there's Israelites out there who say, well, not nah, you know. They're those, they're those were Israelites, but, you know, the only the black tribes, only Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, you know, are considered the people. Well, nah, brother, nah. You're manipulating scripture. Because the people that were there were not Israelites. They were not the Hispanics in the native tribes. Let, them, let us read that again, because, see, this is history. Why do we go here? Because Moses said in Deuteronomy to do what? Remember the days of old. So we're going to remember this was 700 years before Christ. Second Kings, the 17th chapter in the 23rd verse. And it reads until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets. So was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Canthar and from Ua" And from Hamath. And from Sepharim. And placed them in the cities of Samaria. Instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria. And dwelt in the cities thereof. So what are we doing? We're reading the repopulating of the land. With non-Israelites. The descendants of these people. Were still in the land during the time of Christ. See? There was Gentiles. <laughs> in the land of Israel during the time of Christ. That's why Christ said, he told the disciples, go not unto the ways of Samaria. Why? He said, go to the lost sheep. You need to go to the Israelites first. We'll go to the Gentiles. Also after Christ died, he sent them to the Gentiles, but he said, first, you have to go to the children of Israel. Why? Because first go to the Jews and then second, everywhere else, there has to be order. Go to the people who have no identity. Go to the people who are destroyed. Go to the people who birthed Christ, who birthed Moses, who birthed David, who birthed Solomon. Go to those people first. And after that, subsequent to that, you can go to other nations. Because why? We teach other nations, brothers and sisters. We teach other nations. Anyone who wants to know the truth, we're going to teach. But guess what? If, if you're a Gentile and you follow our church, Welcome. But you will hear of the plight of our people. Why? Because we're Israelites and we're commanded by the Messiah to go to our people first. So if, if, if you're a Gentile, you know, learning with the church, we love you. But you will hear about the plight of our people. Why? Because that's what we're commanded to do. Go to our people who are being destroyed like no other. Let's go to second answers, brothers and sisters. Let's go to the apographa because here it was. We saw that the king of Assyria did what? He enslaved the northern tribes. When it says Israel here, speaking of the northern tribes, so that would be the natives and the Hispanic tribes. So you had like the Mexicans, the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans, right? The Samoans, the Hawaiians, the aborigines of Australia, those tribes. Not the darker tribes, but the, the native tribes right? They served in Assyria. Slavery, right? Let us go to 2nd Ezra, 13 and 39. Now, guess what? Ezra is the same Ezra from the Bible, okay? Let's go to 2nd Ezra, 13 and 39 through 42. 2nd Ezra, 13 and 39, and it reads... And whereas thou sawest that he gathered another peaceable multitude unto him, those are the ten tribes which were carried away prisoners out of their own land in the time of Hosea the king, whom Salmanassar, the king of Assyria, led away captive. And he carried them over the waters, and so they came into another land. But they took counsel among themselves. That they would leave the multitude of the heathen and go forth farther, into, excuse me, and go forth into a farther country where never mankind dwelt, that they may keep the statutes which they never kept in their own land. Now this is history, because it's telling you these people, brothers and sisters, once they were allowed to go back to their land, they saw it overpopulated with Gentiles and said, "Well, nah, we don't, nah, we're not going there." We want to go to another land. And the Bible tells you that the Most High brought them into Americas. Into the Americas. Into the Western world. Because you have to remember there was a time where they believed the earth was flat. And there was no other lands. But it tells you God's people, the Israelites, knew this. Let us read that again. Because this was about what? 721-723 BC. This is 2nd Ezra's. Thirteen and thirty-nine, and it reads, and whereas thou sawest that he gathered another peaceable multitude unto him, those are the ten tribes which were carried away prisoners out of their own land in the time of Hoshea the king, whom Salmanassar the king of Assyria led away captive, and he carried them over the waters, and and so and so came they into another land. But they took this counsel amongst themselves, that they would leave the multitude of the heathen and go forth into a further country where never mankind dwelt. You see, so this was them coming into the Western world, because it tells you they went into a land where no mankind dwelt. During that time, all those lands on that side, the eastern side, brothers and sisters, were known. What lands were not known? How did people end up in Puerto Rico? How did people end up in islands? How do people end up in islands, brothers and sisters? They obviously don't start in islands. How did the natives get here into the Americas? How did that happen? We're reading it here, the Bible. The Bible tells you that what? In 721 through 723 BC, the Most High held the waters still. And sent the children of Israel over here to do what? To serve him. uh, Away from, you know, heathen imposition or Gentile, pagan Gentile imposition in the land of Samaria. So what are we doing? We're proving that what? You can't point to, oh, the people in the land being Israelites. Because here it's, it's telling you 700 years before Christ, these people went into the Western world. They went into the Americas, see? So we're gonna break it down on a historical level. What we're going into is just strictly history, see? So Gentiles who are hearing this, guess what? We can use your help. We can use your help when going to these people and saying, well, you know, you're God's people. There's a high responsibility on you, right? Let us go somewhere. Let us go to Matthew, the 10th chapter, the 5th and 6th verse. Examine this, please. Matthew 10 and 5 reads, These twelve Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So, brothers and sisters, this text proves who the inhabitants of northern Israel were at the time of Christ. This prohibition against entering Samaria proves the nature of its inhabitants. I need you to listen to this again. Matthew 10 and 5 reads, These twelve Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See? So Gentiles occupied the country formerly belonging to the northern tribes. That's why he said, listen, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go into Samaria. Why? Because there's Gentiles there. I need you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So according to the text, during the time of Christ, Israel was littered with foreigners. See, they were to he's telling the disciples, you are to confine your labors to the ethnic descendants of Israel only, only after his death and resurrection would the disciples begin to preach to the Gentiles. See, now I know Hebrews, I know Israelites out there who don't think we should teach, you know, Gentiles. But listen, that's that's their prerogative, maybe the most high you know, put them on a mission to only go talk to black people or whatever. But that's not my mission. That's not our mission. The Commandment Keepers Church are going to teach all people. Now, of course, we're going to need to teach our people first. That's going to be what's most important. Why? Because we're the people being destroyed. Everyone else has an identity. The Koreans know who they are, right? The Africans know who they are. The white people, they know who they are. The Chinese know who they are. The only people who don't know who they are... Are the children of Israel. See. So I need Gentiles to be listening to this. Because we're going to use Gentiles in this awakening. See I'm not against. We're not against Gentiles. If you're going to deal with the truth. You can labor in the work with us. Right. Let's go to John. The fourth chapter. In the 19th verse, because we've already established that 700 years before Christ, the king of Assyria brought, you know, took the Israelites or, you know, the northern tribes, the native Hispanic tribes out of the land and put all these other people in the land of Israel. Same thing that's been going on today. Let's go to John 419. We're going to read the 19th through the 24th verse. John 4.19 reads, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men are to worship. And Christ saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship." Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So brothers and sisters, this text or these these texts prove that the geographical location of your dwelling does not indicate your ethnicity. How do we know? Because here it was, there was a sister living in Israel. And Christ is saying, well, listen, you're not an Israelite, okay? So don't get it misconstrued because you live in Israel. But this shows you what? That people are confused. Even the people in Israel, a lot of them actually think they're the people. <laughs> no, you're an Israeli, sister. You're an Israeli. You're not an Israelite. That means anyone can move into Israel and claim that title. But that that's backwards because historically, brothers and sisters, you name the land after the people, not the people after the land. See, Esau, has he's very cunning. Satan is very cunning also, utilizing Esau's educational system. To where, you know, you change the name of people based on where they live. So now when Koreans come into America, they're Korean Americans. (laughs) Right? They're Mexican Americans. The only person that doesn't have American connected to their name is white people for some reason. Do you see this, brothers and sisters? We're going to read that again because I need you to examine Christ in this conversation he's having with a convert, a sister living in Samaria who believes she's the people because she's living in Samaria. John 4.19 reads The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Christ saith unto her, Woman, believe me, The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So clear, clearly, brothers and sisters, in the 22nd verse, the fourth chapter in John, Christ is making a distinction between who he is, a Jew, and who she was, a Gentile. Let me read that again. John, the fourth chapter, the 22nd verse, and it reads, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. You notice how he said we know what we worship. So he's making a clear distinction in we and she. You see that brothers and sisters proven what? That only the ethnic Israelites had the historical knowledge of acceptable worship because Christ was telling her here. Worship goes in Jerusalem. <laughs> See. This sister don't even know where to worship. Why? Because she's not the people. And it's not her fault. Because she gave indication that her father's worship in this mountain. Showing you that what? Remember 700 years before Christ. There was all these other nations in the land. See. I really need you to examine the distinction that Christ is making. He used the word ye to refer to the Samaritans. He used the word we to refer to Israel. I'm going to read those I'm going to read those texts again, those scriptures again. We're here at John the 4th chapter, the 19th verse, and we're going to read verse 19 through 24, brothers and sisters. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Christ saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth you see this and this is what Gentiles also you if you're gonna worship the Most High, you must do so in spirit and in truth so it does matter who the people are, okay? So no more of this, it doesn't matter, you know, we love God. It doesn't matter if Christ was black. And, hold on, hold on. Pump your bricks here, because Christ is telling you, if you're going to worship the Most High, you have to worship Him in truth. Guess what? When I believed Christ was a white man, it didn't bother me. I worshiped Him the same, because why? He did something that crosses all color lines. But nevertheless, the truth is the truth. So we're not going to allow anyone, including black people, to diminish the value of truth because you heard black people say this. Well, why are you caught up on Christ being a black man? Because it's true. Why are why are you not caught up on truth? See? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Ezekiel, the thirty-sixth chapter, the fifth and sixth verse. Ezekiel 36 and 5 reads, Therefore, thus saith the Lord Surely, in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen, and against all Idumia, which have appointed my land into their possession, with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds, they cast it out for a prey. Let me read that scripture again, brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 36 and 5 reads, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Idumea, which have appointed my land into their possession with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds to cast it out for prey. Brothers and sisters, Idumea, is another word for Edomite or Edom or Esau. We know that Edomites are who you would call today white people, right? We know that Esau was the big brother of Jacob. Jacob is the Negroes, natives, and Hispanics. So Esau or the white man is actually our big brother, our twin brother, our big brother who's, you know, a twin, right? We want you to examine Who would have possession in the last days. Because this is a prophecy here. Let's read it again. Ezekiel 36 and 5 reads. Therefore. Thus saith the Lord God. Surely in the fire of my jealousy. Have I spoken against the residue of the heathen. And against all Idumia. Which have appointed my land. Into their possession. With the joy of all their heart. With despiteful minds. To cast it out for pray. verse 6 reads prophecy therefore concerning the land of Israel and say unto the mountains and unto the hills to the rivers and to the valleys thus saith the Lord God behold I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because you have borne the shame of the heathen do you see this brothers and sisters this text proves that their current possession of the land Was self-imposed. God did not give them the land of Israel. They took the land of Israel when. If you know history you know. 1948. Is when Jewish people moved into our land. Into the land of Israel. When. After the so-called holocaust. Right. Listen in World War II. Many people died in World War II. Okay. Many people. But yet people want to. You know. Focus in on one facet of people. What about the transatlantic slave trade? What about that Holocaust? 99 million black Jews. To do what? To serve another nation. So don't give us this this Holocaust garbage. Why? Because that was white on white crime. So that was white people doing that to themselves. What we dealt with was another race being subjugated to another race of people. Not being subjugated to our own people. So what's worse, 6 million Edomites or 99 million of God's people? See, because we we have to lay it all out on the table today. We have to lay it out on the table. Because this is the way in which you're going to have to come, you know, of people that... Some scholars, let's say. If you want to sit down with your family, if you want to sit down with some of these teachers, some of these educators... These are the scriptures in which you have to go to. You can't come with all the, all this emotion. You have to go straight into the scriptures, brothers and sisters. Now, this is for Gentiles also. Why? Because there's some Gentiles, right, whose family members have a hatred for us. They have a hatred for us. Now, guess what? The younger generation, you know, they don't really have that type of venom and vitriol against us. But there is, you know, there is a generation of people who had this level of hatred for us. And these people need to know who they're hating. Because why? There's a judgment for going against God's people. There's a judgment. And we don't want you to have to receive that judgment. But if you continue, if you continue, there's ramifications. We just wanted to show you that Ezekiel is telling you in the last days, Idumea or the Edomites or the white man would have possession of our land. And it says, cast it out for prey. You have prey and predator. (laughs) See, it said they they loved our land. They loved to take our land. How does white people killing white people have to do with you getting the land in the so-called Middle East? How is that your reparation? And guess what? I want you to look it up right now. You know, go to your search engine and see that they have homosexual parades going on in Jerusalem. All this stuff going on in the promised land. So they've taken our land, you know, desecrated it, demoralized it. See? See? Why? Why did they, why come after the promised land? Because they know that the Bible says whoever had possession of the promised land ruled the world. Who rules the world? The Jewish people. See? They're the ones that own all the football teams, the basketball teams, ABC, MTV, VH1, ESPN. These are all Jewish people. Where did they get their money from? Where did they get their finances? They are the synagogue of Satan. Remember, what did Satan say? He told Christ in Matthew, the fourth chapter, If you fall down and worship me, I will give you all kingdoms of the earth. Now, we know that Christ rejected that, right? But there's a people who did not. There's a people who accepted that. And they're the people claiming to be Jews. See, and then they come up with what? Anti-Semitic. So you can't even say when they do evil because they'll say you're anti-Semitic. And guess what? There's a lot of white people that I know, right? That that always talk about how the Jewish people are dealing with Satanism, you know, the bankers and all that. But the problem is they actually think they're the Jews when they're not. They're Jews in title only. But I've seen many white people call out the evil of these Jewish people. The only problem is they believe they actually are the Jews. We're gonna deal with it today, brothers and sisters. We're gonna deal with it today. Let's go to Daniel, the 12th chapter, the fourth verse. Daniel 12 and four reads, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I'm going to read that again. Daniel, the 12th chapter, the 4th verse, and it reads, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the times of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Brothers and sisters, the advancement of knowledge is the fulfillment of prophecy. The fact that you have black and Hispanic people after being utterly destroyed, thrown on slave ships, having their land snatched from them, being pushed on reservations. And somehow, somehow these people are saying they're God's people. The increase of knowledge is a sign of the times. Brothers and sisters, it's a sign of the times. See, let me read that again. Daniel 12 and four reads, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. See, it said in the time of the end, knowledge would be increased. So we are in the time of the end. And guess what? Uh, Let's prove that this increase in knowledge would not just affect Israel. This, This increase in knowledge would not only affect the Israelites. Let's go to Jeremiah, the 16th chapter, and the 19th verse. Follow us there, brothers and sisters, please. We're here at Jeremiah, the 16th chapter, in the 19th verse, and it reads, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. See? See? Look at that, brothers and sisters. Here we see Gentiles acknowledging the errors of their fathers. See, the text proves that the majority of Gentiles have actually been deceived. See, we don't hate Gentiles. And for the Gentiles listening today, you want to be this part of Gentiles. This is the faction of Gentiles that you want to be. Let us read it again. Jeremiah, the 16th chapter in the 19th verse. And it reads, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity and things wherein there is no profit. So, brothers and sisters, we're reading the repentant testimony of the Gentiles drawn to the most high. The text suggests if they were conscious of the truth, there's a possibility they would do something with it. See, revelation of the truth could result in a Gentile conversion useful to our awakening. And I'm talking to Israelites right now. Teaching Gentiles the truth. Could be beneficial, mutually beneficial, it's certainly beneficial for them. Because they can get right with with the Most High, it can be beneficial for us also, because we can use these Gentiles to perpetuate the true gospel. See, the Bible tells you that they would say our fathers inherited lies. They don't know the truth. It's not like every white person walking knows that you know we're the Jews. Most do not know. Why? Because it's not being taught. It's not being taught. What are we going to do? We're going to bring out the light. Why? Because the light, I discovered light, is the best disinfectant. It's the best disinfectant, brothers and sisters. And the text tells you that if some Gentiles had this truth, they would publicize this. Brothers and sisters. I need you to follow us to Jeremiah 12 and 16, especially if you're a Gentile here in this broadcast today, you, this lesson is, is imperative for you to internalize this for your, your relationship with the most high going forward, because why listen, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you've done in the past, even if you had some racist remarks about our people, guess what? The only thing you have to do is find water. You get baptized for the remission of your sins. And guess what? No one can bring it up again. If Christ is not going to bring it up, can't no Negro or some Hispanic somewhere bring it up? So this is what we tell prostitutes. This is what we tell drug dealers. You find water. You find some living water for the remission of your sins. And guess what? The Most High love you so much that he won't go back before. He'll never bring up what what transpired before. You were baptized, okay? But guess what? Going forward, now that you know the truth, going forward, what? Where do you stand? It's for our Jews and Gentiles, because why? The Jews, the Israelites need to know that Gentiles could be beneficial to this awakening. And guess what? Gentiles need to know what they can do to work in this awakening. Let us show you. Let's go to Jeremiah, the 12th chapter, the 16th and 17th verse. Jeremiah 16, excuse me, Jeremiah 12 and 16 reads, And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, th- the Lord liveth, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be built in the midst of my people. But if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Most High. See? This for Gentiles here, because here the Most High makes a remarkable offer to any who previously opposed his people. You see this? Notice the text distinguishes the teachers from the students. Let us read that again. Jeremiah 12 and 16 reads, And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people, to swear by my name, the Lord liveth. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then shall they be built in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will pump, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, especially Gentiles, in order to know the ways of his people, you must actually know who his people are. <laughs> you see? <laughs> In verse 17, judgment is denounced on those who refuse to obey the gospel. I'm going to read those two scriptures again, because in verse 16, we're reading the regulations of acceptance for Gentiles amongst our people. Jeremiah 12 and 16 reads, and it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, the Lord liveth. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be built in the midst of my people. So, brothers and sisters, it's telling you, especially if you're a Gentile, to learn from the Israelites. It says, learn the ways of my people, which mean the Israelites are the teachers. You become the student. Why? Because it's our book. (laughs) See? And I know that's hard to, that's a different perspective because people don't look at us as teachers. They look at us as basketball players and rappers, but the Bible is telling you coming into this truth, there's an order, there's an order, they're the leadership, okay? Because why, you're the leader everywhere else. But when you come into the gospel, all these people, all the disciples, where's Elijah? David, Solomon, Peter, Paul, Christ, these were all black men. And if you have a problem learning from black men, Then there's going to be there's going to be some friction. There's going to be friction because you can't say you accept our God without accepting us. You can't do it. See now, guess what? Look at verse 17, because this is the judgment that's denounced on any who refuse to obey the gospel. Jeremiah 12 and 17 reads, but if they will not obey I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation or nationality, save the Most High. See? So don't tell us that race doesn't matter. By the looks of things, it's all that does matter. So he's giving Gentiles an opportunity to escape judgment, saying, listen, learn the ways of my people. My people know that you have to follow the laws. They know you have to stay away from paganism, Okay. My people will accept you if you understand the Most High's name and follow his rules. What's the Most High's name? Ahaya. A H A Y A H. That is I Am in the Hebrew. Remember Exodus 3? He said, Tell my people that I Am have sent you. I Am is Ahaya. I Am that I Am is Ahaya, Asha, Ahaya. Go get a Torah, brothers and sisters go get an actual Hebrew English tour and they'll have the name in there they spell it a little bit different i believe in there they have it e h y e h a h y a but nevertheless the spelling is that's secondary that's ancillary the prime the primary concern is what his name is not how to spell it and it says let me read Jeremiah 12 and 16 reads and it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name that a higher liveth as they taught my people to swear by Baal. Who is Baal? Baal is Yahweh. It's Yahweh. Right. It's Jehovah. That's Baal. Brothers and sisters, that bull calf that Aaron made while we were coming out of Egypt, that bull calf name is Yahweh. Yahweh is the ancient the is the Hebrew Jehovah is the English that's the devil that's why we know Jehovah witnesses they worship the devil and guess what they tricked our people not just our people but even other nations of calling Yahweh or excuse me Yahweh Jehovah that is not God's name God said clearly in Exodus 3.14 that his name was I Am. And guess what? If you don't want to call him Ahiah, at least call him I Am. Why? Because that's what he said his name was. That was the first time that he had revealed his name. Before then, we only knew him by God Almighty. But he needed, Moses knew that if I'm going to deliver these people, I must know who you are. Because why? What God is delivering them. Because they have many gods in Egypt. So, yes, brothers and sisters, we know that that people don't know Ahaya. They haven't heard that name. There's a reason for it. There's a reason. See that, brothers and sisters? There's a reason. Go find I am in the Hebrew. What is it in the Hebrew? Don't believe us. Go get a strong Concordance and find out what is I am in the Hebrew. It's Ahaya. So, it would be well with you to just call the Most High what he said, call him. Right? Instead of calling them Yahweh or Yahweh or Jehovah, that is the devil. I have literature, brothers and sisters, historical literature that tell you that Yahweh is connected to a bull calf. It's the Edomites God. (laughs) It's the God of the Canaanites. That's who it is. Go on Google and type in Yahweh wife. Did you know Yahweh had a wife? (laughs) Because remember, there was two bull calves. That Aaron uh, you know constructed it wasn't just one it was two see a lot of people don't even know you know what God they're following Satan is very cunning he's very crafty and he's uses the Christians to perpetuate this nonsense that's why he's saying listen you need to learn from the Israelites and listen I don't have a problem with Gentiles but they're not going to ever teach me the Bible Because why? Would you go into Korea as a black man and teach Korean history to them? Tell them who they are. Would you go into China (laughs) as a black man and and say, well, no, you're who I say you are. Uh, We're going to teach you your history. We're going to give you your history. Exactly. You wouldn't do it. So guess what? You're not going to do it with us. You're not going to do it with us. Let's go to Isaiah 55 and 7. Because we're still talking to Gentiles here. Because Gentiles want to know what's their place in this work. And they have a place. They have an important piece of this work. And our people, the children of Israel, need to know. That we have use for them. The Most High has use for them. Why? Because they've been tra- our people have been trained to listen to them. And you know this. You know that our people are trained to listen to white men. And every other man except our people. So rather than be mad at that, what do we do? We play chess here. We teach the Gentiles and then send them to our people. (laughs) See? Because why? We just need the gospel to be spread. If it need to come from a white man or Korean man or whoever, so be it. So be it. We playing chess, not checkers. We're here at Isaiah 55 and seven, and it reads, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So, brothers and sisters, by three forms of expression, he describes the true nature of repentance. I'm going to read that again. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So, brothers and sisters, sinfulness refers not only to what we do, but also what we think. See? So he said, Let the wicked forsake his way and his thoughts. And do what? Return to the Most High. You see that? Why? Because we know there's Gentiles out there who probably have, you know, called us nigras and all types of stuff, being angry with us or, or called us all types of names in their private. And that's okay. We forgive you. We forgive you for that. This is what you do to make up for that venom, that vitriol, because, see, that's what I found. A lot of people, Gentiles, they don't want to believe that we're the people. Why? Because they know how they felt about us. And if all these things you've said and done were towards God, people, then what? (laughs) Then what? See? So I know a lot of Gentiles don't want to believe this. I know. It's time to move past that. It's time to, going forward, straighten up. Let us go to Psalms eighty. Uh, excuse me, eighty-three, and two through five. Psalms eighty-three and two reads: For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, "Come, let us cut them off." From being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. So, brothers and sisters, in the third chapter in the 83rd verse of Psalms, it tells you that they've taken crafty counsel against Israel. That means the counsel is not up front. So they really have an agenda. But before the people, they'll say nothing. They really have an insidious, sinister plan. And it tells you that altogether together they are complicit of hiding the identity of these people, the children of Israel. Let's read it again. Psalms 83 and 2 reads, For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come, let us cut cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. So, brothers and sisters, it's not just the white man. It's the Arabs. It's the white man, it's the Asian, it's all of those. It's the Africans. They have made a a plan with Satan to not only destroy us, but to take away our identity. And we're not just talking about regular Koreans and regular white people and regular Hamites or Africans. We're talking about the top, the governmental structure. They know exactly who we are, but they'll never tell you. See, so what did they do? They set up educational institutions called churches. See, so they are aware, but they're speaking of erasing our memory. Even though they have disagreements amongst themselves, they're all in agreement on destroying us, brothers and sisters. All the nations have a common enemy, the children of Israel. The children of Israel. Now, Gentiles, you have just heard this. You've heard that there's what? There's an orchestrated effort to keep the identity from us. You see this. See? So, this is why we're saying you take this truth and you publicize this information. You publicize this information. Why? Because you see there's a confederacy against God's people. There's a confederacy. This is where I take a Gentile. After their awakening. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 28. Let's go to the Apocryphal. We're at Ecclesiasticus 4 and 28. And it reads. Strive for the truth. Unto death. And the Lord shall fight for thee. See this is where I take a Gentile. After their awakening. I'm going to read it again. Ecclesiasticus 4 and 28 reads, Strive for the truth unto death, and the Lord shall fight for thee. So the duty of a Gentile is to challenge corruption by publicizing the truth. Why? Because only truth can tear down a lie. See? So any Gentile that, you know, learns with our church, you have a responsibility to strive for the truth unto death. Why? Because the Most High will reciprocate that effort by fighting for thee. See? So if you know there's a conspiracy, which the Bible says there is, and these people are being, you know, criticized, ostracized, demonized, criminalized, what can you do? You can go and teach the truth. You can go pass flyers out, right? Twelve tribes, you know, Jews, you you know, black people. Did you know you're the Jews? Did you know you're the people in the Bible? Did you know that you went into slavery, not because the white man didn't like you, you went into slavery for breaking God's laws. So I beg you, brethren, I beseech you, brethren, follow the laws in this book in order to get your people from underneath of, you know, Roman oppression. See? See? Guess what? I don't know a black person alive that wouldn't listen to that. (laughs) Okay, I don't know a black person alive that wouldn't want to hear that from another nation. See. Let us show you how important that identity is to our people. Let's go to Psalms 137 and five. I hope Gentiles are listening to this. Psalms 137 and five reads, we're going to read five and six. Verse five reads, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my cheek, Jordan. Let me read that again because the text highlights the level of importance Israel would place on receiving this information. Psalms one thirty seven and five reads, "If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning." That means let my hand, you know, let me forget how to use my 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 hand, my right hand. I don't want to write. I don't want to be able to play music. So it's showing you how important David believes our identity is to us. Look at what it says after that, though. Verse six reads, if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. So he's saying, listen, I don't I want to be dumb. I don't even want to be able to speak if I forget who I am. So, brothers and sisters, the loss of consciousness concerning our identity, David regarded as absolutely demoralizing. So the service of a Gentile in this awakening would be to carry this truth to the captives. This truth would have a psychological impact, okay? It would have a psych a great psychological impact on these people who've been told that they're nothing. For these same people that they're thrown in prison unproportionately. To these same people that's being, you know, criminalized, demonized. See? So we're showing the Gentile, where is your place in this awakening? Because why? I know Gentiles in the truth, and they feel like there's nothing for them to do. Sit back and follow laws. And see, when you do that, you usually fall off the path, brothers and sisters. So, the Gentiles have a place in this awakening, and we're showing it to you. Because, why? Our people need to wake up and smell the pie. We need to use Gentiles. Gentiles can be a great help unto this awakening. Why? Because they're in positions that you and I are not in. They can go in rooms that you and I cannot. They have a power over our people that we do not possess. Why? Because we're under the curses. Why people will not trust another black person. They will not trust, (laughs) you know, another person of color. But let the white man or the Korean man come tell him something. It's a shame, but it's the truth. And brothers and sisters, let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans, the third chapter, the first and second verse. Romans 3 and 1 reads what advantage then hath the Jew or what profit is it it, or what profit is there of circumcision much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God now there's a question being asked here because some people say even our people say it doesn't matter who people are God loves everybody listen If you're going to worship the most high, you have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And this is Paul here. You know who Christians love to go to Paul. Paul is saying there's an advantage to being a Jew. So you don't have the right to say, you know, say better than the author of the Bible. Maybe there's no value in it to you. And I'm not just speaking to Gentiles, I'm speaking to our people also, because you find many Negroes, Christians, who say, well, it doesn't really matter because God loves everyone. Are you reading the Bible? Let's see what Paul has to say. Romans 3 and 1 reads, what advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Verse 2 reads, much Every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. You see that, brothers and sisters? So the Bible says there's an advantage to knowing who we are. Why? Because the Most High is going to use these people to reveal his truth to the world. That's why he said, listen, it matters who the people are because unto them were committed the oracles. Unto them was committed the Bible. Okay. Let's jump to verse 9 and 10. Romans 3 and 9 reads, What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So in order to mobilize Gentiles for service in this awakening, we must start with truth. You see that, brothers and sisters? It's hard to deploy a Gentile into service if they're under the misconception of what we believe. We do not believe we're better than Gentiles. We believe that we get punished harder than Gentiles. Why? Because we're God's people. You see, we went into slavery because we're God's people. If we were not God's people, we would have never went into slavery. But to whom much is given, much is required. So we're going straight here to the Bible. Paul is saying there's advantage to being an Israelite. And then he also says that what? Are Israelites better than Gentiles? No. Because all have fallen short. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Most High God. So I want to be clear. I want Gentiles to know this. We do not believe we're better than you. We're brothers. We're under attack by Satan. And if you can do something to help God's people, I suggest you do it. Because if you stand by while an injustice is being done, guess what? When that injustice comes your way, that's what you get. Why? Because you stood back while it was someone else being destroyed. An injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. So here Paul was he was clear there is an advantage to being a Hebrew, an Israelite, because God did what? He gave us the law and we're supposed to be teaching the law. And then he says, what? Let me read Romans three and nine. And it reads, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin as it is written there is none righteous no not one you see that so we need our people to know this that we're not better than Gentiles and we need Gentiles to know we do not believe we are better than you okay because we say we're God's people doesn't mean we believe we're better than you that means we're God's people That's what that means. You have never heard, not our podcast, us ever say we were better than anyone. Look around. (laughs) Do we look like we're do we look like we're living better than other people? See, because this is the misconception and this is why Gentiles don't want to go to our people, because they believe that that'll make us feel superior to them. We don't feel superior to you. We feel superior to people who don't follow God's laws. Now you can be a Gentile and follow God's laws. And we're going to see you as a brother. But if you're going to be a pagan, yes, you're right. We see ourselves over you. Because you're dealing with paganism. And that's another black man who's dealing with paganism. That's a That can be a Hispanic who's dealing with paganism. Okay? So let's be clear let's be clear here let's go to Jeremiah 17 and four see this is this is where a Gentile would want to take an israel well there's blacks, Hispanics, natives especially black people Gentiles listen up you go to Jeremiah 17 and four and it reads and thou even thyself shall discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee, and I will cause thee to serve thy enemies in a land which thou knowest not. Why? For ye have kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. See, so Gentiles, this is where you take our people. Now you have to know that heritage is a land Proving that the people would not have possession of the land, according to Jeremiah. And that does what? That proves that it's a miscalculation to make a connection between a geographical occupation and ethnicity. That's lazy to say, well, because those people are in the land, they must be the people. Go find out when they got into the land. How could they move into Israel in 1948? How do you move into a land that people are already in? There was no one there. I'm going to read that again. Jeremiah 17 and four reads, And thou, even thyself, shall discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee, and I will cause thee to serve thine enemies In a land which thou knowest not, for ye have kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. See, this is where I take our people. Because we're not mad at the white man. Why? Because the white man didn't have any power to do anything. The Most High put us under the white man. You see that? God did this to you, not the white man, because I don't know a white man. Listen. There's no nation that can do to us without God's assistance to what was done. Because everyone knows that we're the strongest. We're the strongest, not just over the white man. Our people, God just made us stronger. He made us faster. He made us special. And that's why if you had to put money, if you took just a regular black man off the streets anywhere, and a, uh, 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 a Korean man or a Japanese man or a white man or an African and put him in a boxing ring, who would you put your money on? If it was your money, who would you put your money on to win? Exactly. So we're just being real here. The white man could do nothing to us had it not been for the most high God. OK, because why? You had 200 slaves on a plantation and only five masters. Do that sound logical to you? Where you got 200 slaves and only five people with whips. What was going on? Why wasn't they overthrown? Because our people were under a spiritual curse. It wasn't just physical. It was spiritual. It was psychological. You see that brothers and sisters? The text is telling you that he would take our heritage Our land from us and do what? Cause us to serve enemies in a land which thou knowest not. Did we know America? Did we know America? So brothers and sisters, it would be improper because we can point to a myriad of expulsions. So you really can't say that based on a geographical location, this, this ethnicity is there. Why? Why, brothers and sisters? We can point to a myriad of expulsions Matter of fact Let's go to Jeremiah 15 and 4 Jeremiah 15 and 4 And it reads And I will cause them to be removed Into all kingdoms of the earth Because of Manasseh The son of Hezekiah King of Judah For that which he did in Jerusalem Now Judah Brothers and sisters Is who? The so-called African-Americans. See, let's read that again. Jeremiah 15 and four reads, and I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. So he put us, he scattered us. That was a part of the curse to scatter us in all nations. You see this. See, so you can't because we're scattered into all nations, you can't point to Jerusalem as, you know, the the occupancy currently in Jerusalem and say, well, because they're there, they must be Jews. In fact, us not, you know, in fact, us being there or not being there is the proof that we're the people, (laughs) because it's telling you that these people, the Israelites would not be in that land. They would not be in that land. And anyone who knows geography knows that Israel is in northern Africa. You know white people, come on now. <laughs> Africa is in is black, okay? I have white, you know, people that I know that I care for, who if they stand outside in the sun for a few hours, they get blisters and their skin start peeling. And you want me to believe that you were in Israel? Come on. Come on. That whole area is people of color. See? Let's go to Haggai. Haggai 1 and 4 through 9. This is for Jews and Gentiles, okay? Haggai chapter 1 verse 4 through 9. And it reads... It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages Earned wages to put in a bag of whole. So brothers and sisters, he's saying, consider your ways, okay? You continue to buy clothes, but you're still buying them. You continue to eat, but you're not full. You continue to drink, but you're still thirsty. He's saying your money, you gather money and it seems like you putting it in a bag, but the bag has holes in it. So every time you look in there, it's less and less money. It's never enough. You see this? Listen to this, Haggai 1 and 7, and it reads, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye look for much and lo. It came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is waste. And ye run every man to his own house. Now, what is the house of the most high? Who is the house of the most high? Our people, the children of Israel. So he said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Look at how you're struggling. Look how it's never enough for you. There's a reason for that. Why? Because you're not concerned with my people. You're concerned with your pocket. You're concerned with your house rather than my house. You see that, brothers and (laughs) sisters? He said, consider your ways. If you took this gospel to my people, not only would they have (laughs) much respect for that, But I will bless you for that. I will bless you for going to my people and taking them the truth. You see? This lesson is for Jews and Gentiles. The the lesson, the topic is defeating darkness. This is how you defeat darkness, brothers and sisters. If there's a conspiracy and they're trying to keep the truth away from these people... Why not do something about it? Why not do something about it? Let's go to Luke 7 and 2. Because why? We want to prove that Gentiles have what? We have use. The Most High has use for Gentiles in this awakening. Okay. Let's go to Luke the 7th chapter, the 2nd through the 5th verse. Luke 7 and 2 reads, And a, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Christ, he sent him unto the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Christ, they besought him instantly, saying that he was... Fro-. Let me read that again. Luke 7 and 4 reads, And when they came to Christ... They besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue. So look at this here, brothers and sisters. There was a centurion servant who was sick, right? Needed the Messiah's help. And our people were saying, listen... This brother is worthy of your help, Christ. Why? Because he's built a a synagogue for Jews to worship. We'll read that again. Because we went here to prove that there's a use for Gentiles in this awakening. Brothers and sisters. Let's go to Luke 7 and 2. Why? Because we want to show you that. Gentiles have a place in this awakening. We're here at Luke, the seventh chapter, the second through the fifth verse, and it reads, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Christ, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Christ, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation and have built us a synagogue. So here it was, brothers and sisters, you had a centurion, a Gentile, whose servant was sent. Right. And when he heard of Christ, he sent, you know, brothers unto Christ. Right. Beseeching that what Christ could heal his servant. And when it came to Christ, what did they say? They said, even though he's a Gentile, this man is worthy. Why? He loveth the children of Israel. He's in fact, he built us a synagogue. So the Gentiles who have favor of our people can be utilized in this war against evil. This war is not carnal, meaning we have to learn to turn enemies into allies. I really want you to catch this. Gentiles I really want you to catch this Israel Luke 7 and 2 reads and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die and when he heard of Christ he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant and when they came to Christ they besought him instantly saying that he was worthy of for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he built us a synagogue. See, so this was a Gentile who loved the loved the children of Israel. In fact, built us a place of worship, built a synagogue for us, a place of learning. See, proving that what Gentiles have use Gentiles can be utilized in this awakening here it was that there was a Gentile who loved the children of Israel in fact built us a place of you know to to learn you see that so don't tell me Gentiles don't have a place in this truth if you love our people whatever way you can help our people you do it why because we're God's people and God will bless you for that Matter of fact, let us show you. Let's go to Jasher 5, excuse me, Jasher 58 and 26. The book of Jasher. Jasher is also a Hebrew record that's spoken of in the Bible. The Bible referred you to the book of Jasher, J-A-S-H-E-R. Let us show you another Edomite, right? And what he did for our people. Jasher, the 58th chapter, the 26th and 27th verse, and they read, And when the children of Esau saw their king had died in battle, they hastened and took a man from the people of the children of the east. His name was Jobab, the son of Zerah, from the land of Bozrah, and they caused him to reign over them instead of Bala, their king. Verse 27 reads, and Jobab sat upon the throne of Bala as king in his stead. And Jobab reigned in Edom over all the children of Esau ten years. And the children of Esau went no more to fight with the sons of Jacob from that day forward. For the sons of Esau knew the valor of the sons of Jacob, and they were greatly afraid of them. So what do we see here? We see that Jobab, uh, an Idumean king, did what? He started to rule over the children of Esau, the Edomites, which are white people. And what did he do? He kept them from warring against our people. So there was peace between Edomites and Jacob during the time of Jobab. Now, brothers and sisters, Jobab is the same Job in the Bible. A lot of people don't know, Job was actually a white man. We, we can prove that a hundred times till Saturday. Job was actually a white man, brothers and sisters. He lived in the, in the land of Uz or Uz, UZ. When you go to Lamentations, the fourth chapter, I believe it's the 21st verse, it tells you that Uz or Uz is a land of Edomites. We could do a whole breakdown on this, and I believe some of our previous lessons, we've touched it, but Job, without any shadow of a doubt, was a white man, a good white man. He was a good white man. In fact, he helped our people. He kept his, you know, his people, the Edomites, from going against us, from looking to kill us. So don't tell me that white people and other Gentiles don't have place in this awakening, because history would say you're wrong. See, the truth of the gospel can affect the Gentiles just like they affect the children of Israel. And guess what happens, Gentiles? When you receive this truth, you do what? You look to help out God's people. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis 12 and 3. I need Gentiles to to examine this. Genesis 12 and 3 reads, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I'm going to read that again. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, he's talking to one of the progenitors of the children of Israel. here. So the most high is telling you the text is telling you the most high will favor those who favor Israel and set himself against those who oppose Israel. So the text provides evidence that if you are diametrically opposed to Israel, you are diametrically opposed to God. Why? Let us read it again. Genesis 12 and 3 reads, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So history has shown that whenever a nation persecutes the children of Israel, curses ultimately befall them. So the question is now, how can a Gentile bless Israel best? Because the text is telling you that. He's telling Abraham, our father... That guess what? He will bless those that bless us and curse those that curse us. And through the children of Israel, all families of the earth will be blessed. How? Christ. He was a black man, he was an Israelite. See? And guess what? You benefit from his death also. See? Your sins can be cleansed through the death of a black man. See? That's all nations. So he's telling you, listen, if you bless these people, I will bless you. If you curse these people, you're in for a rude awakening. So what can a Gentile do to bless Israel? Let's let's go to Jeremiah 2 and 2. The title of today's lesson, Defeating Darkness. Jeremiah, the second chapter, the second verse, and it reads, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. The kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness and the land that was not sown. Israel was the holiness of the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Mm. Brothers and sisters, this is the message we would like to deploy Gentiles to carry into the ghettos. Here we see the message we would like, we would like them to carry in conjunction with the motive to carry it. Let us show you, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah, the second chapter, the second verse, and it reads, Go cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth. The love of thine espousals, when thou wenteth after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was the holiness of the Lord and, fruit, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. So we have to first give them the message and subsequent to the message, we give them the motive and direction. You see that? This is the message he's telling you, go into the ears of the people of Jerusalem, which are the Israelites and tell them you're the people from the wilderness, the 40 years in the wilderness. That's you. You are holy unto God. The first fruits of his increase. And guess what? The Bible tells you all that devoured the children of Israel shall offend God and evil shall come upon them. See. So first we give him the message. The message is verse two. In verse, excuse me, in verse three, subsequent to the message, we give them the motive and direction. You go to the children of Israel and understand that if you offend these people, if you go against these people, you're going against God. See, so there's a prophecy of where this message would work most effectively. I'm talking to Gentiles right now. I'm talking to Gentiles. There is a message. Or excuse me. There is a, a specific message. There's a specific people that this would message, excuse me, there's a specific people where this message would work most effectively, okay? Brothers and sisters, especially Gentiles, follow us to Jeremiah, the second chapter, because this is where a Gentile finds their place in this awakening. Where Jeremiah, the second chapter, the second verse, we're going to read verse two and three. Jeremiah, the second chapter, the second verse, and it reads, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, and a land that was not sown. Israel was the holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him Shall offend. Evil shall come upon them. saith the Lord. So this is the message. We would like to deploy Gentiles. To carry into the ghettos. Here we see the message. We would like them to carry. In conjunction with the motive to carry. Let's read the message. Because verse 2 is the message. Verse 3 is the motive. Jeremiah 2 and 2 reads. Go and cry in the ears of of Jerusalem saying thus saith the Lord I remember thee the kindness of thy youth the love of thine espousals when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown." see Gentiles this is the message you take to them listen you are the people that spent 40 years in the wilderness you are those people Moses these are your people the people that crossed the Red Sea God still remember you God still love you I know you're living in ghettos. I know you're shooting each other in gangs, but the Bible tell you that God have not forgotten about you. See, that's the message we want Gentiles to carry. And now let's give the motive for them to carry it. Jeremiah, the second chapter, the third verse, and it reads, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. I'm going to read that part again. Jeremiah 2 and 3 reads, Israel was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. See, that's the motive that if you offend, if you come against our people, You offend God and evil will be reciprocated for that. So so we have to give excuse me, we have to first give them the message and subsequent to the message. We give them the motive and direction. He said, go cry in the ears of Jerusalem, brothers and sisters. He's not saying the land of Jerusalem. He's saying the people of Jerusalem. Go unto these people and say, yes. You are the people that crossed the Red Sea. You are the people that came out of Egypt, that spent 40 years in the wilderness. God love you. He have not forgotten. That's the message you carry to them. And guess what? Telling these people that God have not forgotten them or loved them doesn't diminish your value unto the most high, okay? But it's clear, he's clear. He said, listen, if you go against these people, If you go against my people, you shall offend me. You shall offend God. And what happens? Evil shall come upon you. See? Now, I need Gentiles to know there is a prophecy of where this message would work most effectively. Okay? There is a place, there there is a people in where this message would work most effectively. Let's go there. Let's go to Zechariah, brothers and sisters, 12 and 7. This is where the message, if if you're a Gentile hearing this broadcast, this is where that message is going to work best. Let's go to Zechariah 12 and 7. And it reads, The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. Who did he say he was going to say first? Let us read. Zechariah 12 and 7 says. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first. So here it's prophesied that Judah will be the first awakened. See. Judah is who? The African-Americans. You go to these people. These people are going to be more receptive than the other tribes why because it was prophesied that he would wake these these tribes up first. See? The people who I I mean listen. The black man, the African American man is the most disrespected. <laughs> He's the disrespected person in America. Okay? And everybody know that because why? You as a white man or a Korean man or a Chinese man, would you want to be treated like you're black? Honestly, And since you're saying no, that means you know we're treated unfairly. You know that. That's why you're saying you wouldn't want to be treated like us. The Bible is telling you he has prophesied to wake Judah up first. So you go to those people, the ones that the children of slaves, you go to them first. Now, I want you to examine it, brothers and sisters, because there was some jealousy going on here. Let's read it again. Zechariah 12 and 7 reads, The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. See, so this proves historically that there was jealousy amongst the tribes. So he said, before I wake up the the Puerto Ricans, before I wake up the Dominicans, before I wake up the... The Native Americans. Before I wake up the Mexicans, before I wake up any of the other tribes, I'm gonna wake up the African Americans. I'm gonna wake up the same tribe as Christ, the same tribe as David and Solomon. I'm gonna wake them up first. Why? Only Judah believes he's missing something. Only Judah believes he's being oppressed. See, the Hispanics, a lot of them don't even believe they're being oppressed because <laughs> they're somewhere in the middle. You see? The Dominicans, all these other tribes, they, they're they going to be less receptive. Now, black people, they know they're being oppressed. And no one has stood up you know, against injustice more than black people. Go read history. Go look at history. From the Civil Rights era to Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all these guys, no one has stood up against injustice more than the black man. So the Bible is telling you Go to them first. It's going to be most effective. Why? Because they know something is wrong. They know something is off. And for you to come and bring the Bible to them and show them, listen, we understand what you're going through. It's in the Bible. The Bible says you're God's people. And here it is. I'm a white man. I'm a Korean man. I'm a Chinese man telling you this. Why would I be telling you this? (laughs) I don't want anything from you. You're God's people. The Most High sent me on a mission To help you recognize your value, recognize your identity, brother or sister. You are these people without any shadow of a doubt. And I guarantee God will bless you for that. Doesn't matter if you're the whitest white man. You will be blessed. Let's go to Jeremiah 22 and 8. Jeremiah 22 and 8 reads... And many nations shall pass by this city, and they shall say every man to his neighbor, Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this great city? Then they shall answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord, their God, and worship other gods and served them. I really need you to examine this, Israel, because the Bible is telling you that the Gentiles are already having conversations about our low estate. I'm going to read it again. Jeremiah, the 22nd chapter, the 8th and 9th verse. Verse 8 reads, In many nations or nationalities shall pass by this city, and they shall say every man to his neighbor, Wherefore hath the Lord done this unto this great city? Then they shall answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and worshipped of the God's So brothers and sisters, when it talks about a city, it's talking about the people of that city, the people of Jerusalem. How do we know? Read verse 29, excuse me, verse nine. It says it reads, then they shall answer because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord, their God. So it's clear that it's not talking about a city, because how can a city forsake a covenant? It's talking about the people of that city. I'm going to read that again. Why? Because this text proves that the conversations are already happening amongst themselves, amongst the Gentiles. Jeremiah 22 and 8 reads And many nations or nationalities shall pass by this city, and they shall say every man to his neighbor, Wherefore hath the Lord done this unto this great city? Then they shall answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of their Lord, their God, and worshipped other gods and served them. See, so this is the information we need Gentiles to publicize to our people. See, a lot of the Gentiles, they look at us and like, how can such a great people be relegated to such, you know, such lows? See? And a lot of them know it's because we went against our God. Why? Because a lot of them are taking advantage of us because they know we've sinned. And the Bible tells you that as long as we sin, he will put us under these other nations. So a lot of these governments, a lot of these people know we've been destroyed. Know that we've been stomped by the Most High's allowance for breaking his law. And they're going to look to take advantage of us. See, so you have two sides here. You have the Gentiles who recognize wrong and want to do something about it. And then you have those Gentiles who want to continue to exploit our people. This is the information we need Gentiles to publicize to our people. Why? Why? Proverbs 29 and 2. Proverbs 29 and 2 reads, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourns. I need you to examine the favorable reactions when righteous men have positions of power. Proverbs 29 and 2 reads, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourns. See, so when the righteous govern. It is beneficial to the entire community. It says the people will rejoice or mourn in accordance to their rulers, whether they're righteous or they're wicked. See, so this is why it benefits Gentiles to go to our people because us ruling. Guess what? It benefits you. It doesn't only benefit us. The Bible tells you when the righteous rule, everybody wins. And we're going to give you some examples. We're going to give you examples of what our law says. The law of the black and Hispanic and native people. There's laws that our God gave us that if in rulership would greatly affect you in a positive manner. Let us show you. Let's go to Deuteronomy 4 and 5 through 8. See, we're going to go into it. We're going to show Gentiles how us being in rulership. Benefits you in a myriad of ways. In a plethora of ways. It won't just benefit us. It will benefit every person breathing. Let's go to Deuteronomy 4 and 5. Deuteronomy the 4th chapter. The 5th verse and it reads. Behold I have taught you statutes and judgments. Even as the Lord my God commanded me. That ye should do so in the land. Whether ye go to possess it. Keep, therefore, and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who have God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that have statutes and judgments so righteous us all this law, which I have set before thee this day? Now, I really need you to see that, brothers and sisters, because it's telling you that Gentiles will look at the laws that the children of Israel have and say, this had to come from God. Because a regular mind can't come up with these types of laws. See? See? One purpose of the law was to make Israel morally and spiritually unique among all the nations. And the Bible is telling you, our Israel following God's laws, implementation of his directives. It will it will prove wise. It will prove our closeness with God in the eyes of the Gentiles. Not how fast you run, how tall you are, how nice you dress, how good you rap. They're going to look at the laws and say, This is God's people. This is God's people. I'm going to read that again. Deuteronomy 4 and 5 reads Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do in the land whithersoever ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So brothers and sisters, in verse six, it tells you that they would hear our laws and know, listen, this is a great and wise nation because no one else has the kind of law. Look at what the Gentiles would say. Deuteronomy 4 and 7 reads, For what nation is there so great, who have God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great, that have statutes and judgments so righteous, as all this law which I set before you this day? So the nations would observe a clear distinction and consider it to be indicative of the true God. Faithfulness to the Most High would allow the nations to see the Most High's intimacy with Israel. I'm speaking to my people right now. Israel was to set a godly example by which we would teach the nations the value of the Most High's way of life. See, it was our, it's our conduct that will reveal to the heathen or to the Gentiles the truth of our identity. See, so it's about how we live, Israel, that will get the recognition of the other nations. Let us show you. I want Gentiles to see this. I want Gentiles to see the laws that if in rulership we would implement. We want you to see the principle of these laws that God gave us. Because you look at the law right now and it's oppressive, even if you're white, it's oppressive. <laughs> okay, we're going to show you the laws of our nation. Let's go to Leviticus 19 and 23, brothers and sisters. Leviticus 19 and 23 reads, And when ye shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, Then ye shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you. It shall not be eaten of you. Brothers and sisters, we're reading a prohibition to not eat the fruit of a tree till the fifth year after it's planting. It's telling you that, listen. When you come and plant a tree, you can't just rake the fruit right away. This is law of our people. Listen to it again. Leviticus 19 and 23 reads, And when ye shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then ye shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you, it shall not be eaten of. But in the fourth year, all the fruit thereof shall be holy, to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. So brothers and sisters, if you closely examine the 24th verse, this text emphasizes the dedication of the fruit of the fourth year to the Most High. So he said after the first three years, right? After the first three years, you have to just let that fruit grow and fall. Okay, you can't eat that because why? You're raping it. It's too young. You need to let it mature, right? You let the fruit fall off the tree and turn into fertilizer. See, you don't just start raping a tree as soon as it it bears fruit. And then he said, on the fourth year, what? All of that goes to me. I get the first fruits. The first fruit belongs to me as your God. And then in the fifth year, in the fifth year, you have that. See, so the fruit of the fourth year belonged to the Most High, and the fruit of the fifth year could be consumed. So, brothers and sisters, the prohibition of harvesting would be beneficial for the maturation of the tree and the surrounding ecology. I'm going to read that again. See, these are the laws that we would implement. Leviticus 19 and 23 reads, And when ye shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food. Then ye shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you. It shall not be eaten of. But in the fourth year all the fruit thereof shall be holy, to praise the Lord withal. That means give that, dedicate that to the Most High. Verse twenty-five reads, And in the fifth year. Shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. So adherence to this prohibition would ultimately result in more productive trees. He's telling you, you don't rape the trees right away. For the first three years, it goes untouched. If it falls off the tree, you let it stay there. You don't go pick this stuff off trees. Let it turn into fertilizer. Why? Because these trees would be healthier. They would be stronger. Why? Because you're not raping them as soon as they're they're born. He said, the fourth year, I get mine first. First fruits go to the most high. And then in that fifth year, you'll have a healthy tree yielding much fruit. Why? Because you obey the laws of the most high God. So look at this. The laws that we have, Affect nature You see this Let's go to Leviticus 23 and 22 Another law that we would implement Because why Proverbs said When the righteous rule The people rejoice Now Gentiles who are listening to this Think about these laws Do you think these laws would be good Because guess what The people ruling right now Are not dealing with anything good they rape all the resources. They they drill into the ground for oil, amongst all the other stuff. These are the laws of Israel. I need you to take a listen. Leviticus twenty three and twenty two reads, "And when you and when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reap it neither shall thou gather any gleaning of the harvest thou shalt leave them unto the poor into the stranger i am the lord your god brothers and sisters this was a law to provide away provision for the poor look at this brothers and sisters he said when you harvest your crops you leave the corners you do it from the middle you leave the corners for the less fortunate okay the corners of your fields you leave for the less fortunate. I'm going to read that again. Leviticus 23 and 22 reads, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of the harvest, that thou shalt lead them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. They're done So the spiritual concept Is to breathe kindness to the poor And pity the needy This law demanded an act of kindness For the underprivileged So if we had fields The corners were for people To just come and take it as they needed it Because they were less fortunate That was foreigners or Gentiles And poor people Are they doing that in this world today? Exactly So, brothers and sisters, this law reminds the proprietors of the land that the needy legally have a share in the produce. (laughs) What other people have these kind of laws? Where the person is restricted by God's law for taking all their produce. He doesn't care if you you put the seed down or, or whatever. You leave that for the less fortunate. You don't touch it. See, so the less fortunate, the poor, the strangers, when they come past there, there better be food there for them. They could be less fortunate, no money and all that. And guess what? They didn't need to come ask you either. (laughs) They see it on those corners. See, so when people saw this in Israel, they're like, what type of God? This must be the most high. Let's go to Exodus 21 and 18 more laws. That when we are in rulership, this is the principles we operate using. Exodus 21 and 18 in verse 19, verse 18 reads. If men strive together and one smite another with a stone or with his fist and he die not, but keepeth his bed. If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. Brothers and sisters, what are we reading? We're reading the laws of compensation for personal injury. Listen to this. Exodus 21 and 18 reads, And if men strive together and one smite another with a stone or with his fist, and he die not, but he keepeth his bed, if he rise again and walketh abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. So brothers and sisters, according to the text, assault was punishable by law in two ways, retaliation or compensation. It tells you that if you smite a brother, you harm a brother, he doesn't die, but he's confined to his bed, guess what? He who struck him was required to compensate the injured for the loss of his time in conjunction with his medical expenses. So if you did something to a brother or sister that kept him bedridden for a year, you had to pay him for that because why? He can't go out and provide for his family. So you're responsible for that as someone who couldn't control his temper. Now, brothers and sisters, most courts of justice still regulate their decisions on such cases by this Mosaic precinct. See, if you do something to a person that keep them out of work, you have to compensate them. You have to compensate that. See, these are the rules that would be implemented, okay? Let's go to Leviticus 5 and one We're going to read verse 1 and verse 2. Leviticus 5 and 1 reads, And if a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness, whether he have seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or carcass of an unclean cattle, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, and if it be hidden from him, He also shall be unclean and guilty. So, brothers and sisters, what have we seen? We're seeing that through silence and concealment of knowledge, a sin can be perpetrated. Perpetuated, excuse me. It was the duty of someone who was a witness to come forward and tell the truth of the matter. Let me read it again. Leviticus 5 and 1 reads, And if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, whether he have seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. So, see that? To fail and faithfully, excuse me, to to fail in faithfully representing the truth was to, to bear guilt. See? So, this injunction is a direct condemnation of the approved slogan, stop snitching. <laughs> That's directly against the Bible. <laughs> see? And that's why they used us to perpetuate that. Because here it is, Jews saying stop snitching. When Jews are supposed to be people of law. See, that's why they got behind that. So they can look back and say, this God's people, stop snitching. <laughs> this guy's people with their pants hanging off their behind, smoking ganja. This is God's people. See? So this text proves that silence can be sinful. I'm going to read verse 2. Leviticus 5 and 2 reads, Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or a carcass of an unclean cattle, or the carcass of an unclean creeping things, and if it be hidden from him, he shall also be unclean and guilty. So what do we see here? We see a commitment to cleanliness. And our commitment to cleanliness would be a sign to them. How we speak, how we eat, our hygiene in conjunction with our apparel. See, our people, we ate clean, we spoke clean, we dressed clean. Everything we did was to be clean. Why? Because we're God's people and God is a clean God. So we wasn't to be cursing and all that stuff, right? We wasn't supposed to touch dead animals that were unclean. Leviticus 11 tell you the clean and unclean animals. See? So we weren't even to touch it. We weren't to touch dead animals that were unclean. See? So our level of cleanliness would be a sign unto them. Now our people, I mean... (laughs) I mean, what can I say? Let's go to Ecclesiastes 19 and 29. Ecclesiasticus 19 and 29 reads, A man may be known by his look, and one that hath understanding by his countenance, when thou meetest him. A man's attire and excessive laughter and gait show what he is. Brothers and sisters, these things reveal who you are without speech. I'm going to read that again. Ecclesiasticus 19 and 29 reads, A man may be known by his look, and one that hath understanding by his countenance when thou meetest him. A man's attire and excessive laughter and gait show what he is. So it tells you a man's attire, his apparel, his garments, his clothes, His excessive laughter, is he someone always joking and giggling around or is he a serious person? It says a man's attire and excessive laughter and gait show what he is. His gait is how he walks. His stride. So you can look at a brother and know if he, you know, what he's dealing with. The Bible's telling you. He thinks he's a thug. Right? Or he has no self, you know, he has no self-class. Or well, even a sister, you can look at a sister and how she walk and tell what she think. You got sisters out there switching so hard they gonna break their back. You know what that is? <laughs> we know exactly what that is. So, Gent- or excuse me, Israel needed to understand the significance of these three things: a man's attire, his apparel, right, his seriousness or lack thereof, and how he walks his stride. See? Let's go to Leviticus 5 and 4. We're going to read verse 4 and verse 5. Leviticus 5 and 4 reads, Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil, or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. And it shall be, when he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he had sinned in that thing. So brothers and sisters, what what, what are we seeing? We're seeing that a careless promise was still a promise before the Most High and had to be observed. It's showing you The seriousness of of making promises Leviticus 5 and 4 reads or if a soul swear pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath and it be hid from him when he knoweth of it then he shall be guilty in one of these and it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. So it's telling you that if a promise was not fulfilled, it had to be atoned for by a sin offering. So you couldn't just be making promises and all that and not keeping it. See? Negligence in the fulfillment of a promise had consequences. What is it telling you? It's telling you public confession was the consequences for negligence concerning a commitment. Let us read it again verse five says, and it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he have sinned in that thing. So if a brother was to make a commitment and say he was going to do something or under an oath and did not do it, he would have to confess that. So what are we seeing here? Honesty. Integrity. You see this? These are the laws that are in the Bible for the children of Israel. The Bible tells you that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Now, what people wouldn't want to live under rulers dealing with this type of, you know, efficacy, this type of morality? More of our laws. Leviticus 19 and 32 reads, Thou shall rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. I'm gonna read that again. Leviticus 19 and 32 reads, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. Here we learn the practice of standing up if an elder is approaching, see? The, the outward respect due to old age is here immediately connected with the fear of God. I want you to listen to it again. Leviticus 19 and 32 reads, Thou shall rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. So a young man was obliged to rise up when an elder approached. See? Here, we're commanded to give deference by acknowledging the aged at all times. So if your grandmother or an older gentleman was coming past your table, you stood up. See? Until they went past where they sat down. You see that, brothers and sisters? This is the law for our people. These were the laws for our people. I really need you to examine this, Gentiles. Because this is the effect you would have on this world. Making these people aware of who they are. These people, being God's people, would implement this type of rulership. That affects all people. When you're dealing in an evil, nasty world nowadays. Why? Because you have people who are not supposed to be in rulership in rulership. Let's go to Leviticus 19 and 17. Leviticus 19 and 17 reads, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and and not suffer sin upon him. Leviticus 19 and 17 reads, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. And not suffer sin upon him. So the ill conduct of a neighbor demands a personal rebuke according to the literature. The Bible tells you we incur guilt by not reproving. And it's called hating your brother. So if you see a brother or sister doing something against God, you're obligated to let him know why. Because he's doing something against himself. See, and this is the type of community you want to live in. You don't want to live in a community where you see drug dealing going on and prostitution and all this, and you're quiet about it. Well, it. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, I don't want them to, you know, beat me up. Nobody wants to live like that. Only our people live like that. Cause I guarantee you what, if you go into these, Edomite, you know, these white communities, and you're doing something in that community, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have about five, six of their, you know, those white households, those men, with their guns come knock on your door and say, listen, <laughs> you're bringing down the value of the community. You need to turn it down or, or, or whatever the case is going on. You're having too much foot traffic coming in and out of your house. See, they do it. Our people need to do it. I'm going to read that again, because regard for the Most High demands the observance of this text. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So, brothers and sisters, the reproof will discharge us from all guilt of tacit participation in our neighbor's sin. When they examine us correcting ourselves as a nation, when they see that, I'm talking to Israel here. When they see that, then they understand. But right now they know we deal with not snitching and stop snitching and all this garbage. And you're supposed to be God's people. And I'm supposed to, you know, want to serve these people. (laughs) See? You see that, brothers and sisters? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Isaiah, the 61st chapter, the 6th through the 9th verse. We're here at Isaiah 61 and 6, and it reads, But ye shall be named the priest of the Most High. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them for I the Lord love judgment I hate robbery for burnt offerings and I will direct their work in truth and I will make an everlasting covenant with them and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed now why do we go here Because the previous scripture said what? We must correct each other when we see wrong going on. I'm talking to Israel. We must correct each other when we see wrong going on. You can't look the other way. When somebody doing something against themselves or against God, you're to pull them aside respectfully. And correct it. See, in our nation, we don't do that. That's why it's gotten so bad. You see people, you know, just selling drugs right up on the corner. You see sisters just, you know, just jiggling and bouncing all down the corner. It's like, sister, I mean, sister, you better than that, sister. I know your mama, you know, and daddy didn't raise you this way, sister. You got to cover up. You got to cover up because it's just going to bring trouble on you, sister. You're going to get the wrong type of attention. You're going to get the wrong type of attention if a brother dealing with some drugs or something, you know, all up in the neighborhood and all that, we're going to have to, you know, 10, 15 brothers in all white and righteousness. And I have to go to that corner and say, brother, you got to pack it up, brother. You, you got to take it somewhere else. You can't do that here, brother. You, we, you grew up here, brother. We know your mother. We know your grandmother, brother. You got to stop selling drugs to your own people. If you want to take that, take that to one of the other nations. But you can't do that here. And see, that's how you know there's a curse. Because the stuff that our people would do in up in the ghetto, they would never take to the suburbs. They would never take over to the, the Islamic community in those neighborhoods. So it's something in their mind where they know, okay, well, I can only do this in this confined space where my people are. See, this is why he's telling us. Israel to correct each other because there's too much sin going on while you're standing right there. Why do people feel comfortable sinning around you? I'm going to read it again. What happens when the Gentiles see us correcting each other in love? Isaiah 61 and 6 reads, but ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I the Lord love judgment, I hate robbery for very offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. You see that. So the other nations are looking at this. And they know that we harbor sin. We came up with the not snitching and stop snitching and all that. That was us. That was God's people who came up with that. People don't respect that. Only our people, you know, think it's cool to go to jail for, you know, for 45 years because you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to say the truth. Only us. Let's go to Romans 11 and 11. We're going to read 11 through 22. Romans 11 and 11 says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them unto jealousy. So in the 11th verse and 11th chapter of Romans, the Bible says that He asked the question, did Israel stumble that they should fall? He said, no, they'll get back up. And our fall allowed salvation to come to the Gentiles. Why? To provoke us unto jealousy. Because why? Our people now are waking up and saying, well, hold on, you're not a Jew. And not only are you not a Jew, why is the white man ruling? Why is everyone over us? Why are we the tail and not the head? See, the Bible says that that happened on purpose to get us back in line to say, well, hold up. I need to get back with my God in order for me to, you know, ascend in order for me to rise. So that's that's how an Israelite should view it. But a Gentile should also look at this, too. Romans 11 and 11 says, I say, then have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. So Gentiles don't get too big headed because we're down on the bottom. The Bible tells you we will get back up. And guess what? Through our fall, you now can become a recipient of salvation. OK. Verse 12 reads, now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world. In the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So this text tells you that through our fall, the whole world got rich. See, the whole world got rich through Israel's fall, but it tells you how much more our fullness. If these are God's people, if they come back to God, the riches of the Gentiles would be be small chunk change. So it proves a couple things. It proves that the other nations got rich through our fall, which is why they don't want us to come back to the truth. Because they can only rule if we stay on the bottom. So I want you to listen, Gentiles, to Paul. Romans 11 and 13 reads, For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. Saying, Yes, I teach Gentiles, but I, I magnify who I am an Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm gonna read that one more time. For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So Paul is saying, listen, the only reason I went to the Gentiles with the truth is to provoke my people unto jealousy, to come back unto the Most High. See that? Verse 16 For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partakest of the root in the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if you boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. So what is he saying? He's telling Gentiles, listen, you've been allowed to come in and receive Christ, but you better not boast against those people and say, well, it doesn't matter who they are because we have the truth. Now, God replaced them with Christians. Paul is warning you against them. He said, you better not boast against these people just because they're on the bottom right now. You see, so I take a Gentile here. I'm going to read it again. Verse 17 reads, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou beareth not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standeth by faith. Be not high-minded Gentiles, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, if he spared not the children of Israel, take heed lest he also spare not thee. See, So he's saying, listen, if he could do this to his own people, put them on a the bottom like this, put them in slave ships, what will he do to you and you are not His people? See, so Paul was making it clear here. He's like, listen, look at these people in, in the case that they're in. And this is God's people. This is God's chosen people. What will he do to you? <laughs> See that? Verse 22. The 22nd verse, the 11th chapter of Roman reads, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell. Severity. But towards thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. So he's telling you, look at these people, look at the children of Israel and look at how they live. Look at how they're being destroyed. And while we've been destroyed, he's been good to the Gentiles. Everyone else have land, rulership, government, except for us. He's saying if you want to continue in this goodness that God has allowed you to have. Don't ever boast against the natural branches. The Israelites are the Israelites. You are a Gentile. But don't ever say that the Bible is for you. Don't ever say that God cut, cut us off for you. So it doesn't matter who God's people is. If you do that, you're going down a slippery slope. I'm going to show you. Let's go to Isaiah 14 and 21. We're almost done here, but I need Gentiles to see this. Isaiah 14 and 21 reads, prepare slaughter. Slaughter. For his children, for the iniquity of their fathers, that they do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. Brothers and sisters, Isaiah emphasizes a call of preparation among the nations. I'm going to read. it. Isaiah 14 and 21 says, prepare slaughter for his children, for the iniquities of their fathers. That they do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. So here we read the Gentiles are confronted with the choice. He's saying prepare slaughter for their children. Why? Because of what their fathers did. See, and I know Gentiles say, well, you know, I didn't have slaves. I didn't do that. That ain't not nothing to do with me. Doesn't matter. These are your fathers and your judgment comes for your fathers unless you repent. How do we know? We went into slavery for what our forefathers did. We had nothing to do with that. But our forefathers did. And because of that, we went into slavery. So if we could pay for the sins of our father, you will too. So you know what your fathers have done to us. You know it. And we're God's people. You know the things that are said about us. And we're God's people. So he's telling you, listen, you have two choices here. You can not boast against the natural branches. You can show these people the deference, the respect of being God's people and try to help them. Because you're you're a believer in Christ. You're a follower of the Most High. Or, Or what? Prepare slaughter for your children. Not because what you did, because what your fathers did. Let's go to Micah 5 and 8. I need Gentiles to really see this. I need Israel to see this also. Micah, the fifth chapter, the eighth and ninth verse reads, And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down and tear in pieces and none. Can deliver. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thy adversaries, and all thy enemies shall be cut off. So look at this, Gentiles. The Bible is telling you that Jacob, the Israelites, will be like a lion amongst the rest of the world. Let me read that again. Micah five and eight reads, "And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst." of of many people as a lion. Among the beasts of the floors. As a young lion. Among the flocks of sheep. So it's telling that Israel shall. Epitomize strength and courage. Which the beasts of the forest Dare not oppose. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 reads. Thine hand shall be lifted up. Upon thine adversaries. And all thy enemies shall be cut off. So the text says that Israel shall be a terrible power amongst the nations. That's coming. Now that we're finding out who we are. The Bible is telling you that. These people will become a lion. If you try to go against. them. Because why now they know who they are. And they have their God. It tells you they will be like a young lion among sheep. That's not a pretty sight. So the Bible is giving you an option here. You can do what? You can serve the Most High God and help these people during this time by delivering the gospel to them, helping them in any way you can and spread the gospel. Because why? Other people need this gospel, not just Israelites. But we showed you that if the Israelites were in rulership, it would affect you. It would affect this whole world. Why? Because we're God's people. Okay. And it's telling you that if you boast against these natural branches, if you say that it doesn't matter, these people don't matter because Christ came for everyone, then you have to deal with the wrath of the most high God, because how can you say, God? Uh, how can you say that God's chosen people, or how can you say the family of the Messiah don't matter? Imagine telling Christ his people don't matter. When he comes back, he's going to be infuriated. So you can accept his sacrifice and then say, well, screw your people, though. Hmm? Let's go to Zechariah 12. We're going to read 2 and 3, and then we'll jump to 6 and 7, and we'll end it. Zechariah 12 and 2 reads, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege, both Judah and against Jerusalem. And in in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So, brothers and sisters, in the coming day, Israel will be intoxicated and stupefy the surrounding peoples It's telling. you. It's telling you that though the nations come against Israel with fury, God will protect us. I'm going to read that again. Zechariah 12 and 2 reads, behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people around about. When they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So it's telling you that all the other nations are going to gather against us, Israel. Jump to verse six and it reads. In that day, I will make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood and like a torch of fire in a sheath. And they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. And the Lord shall save the tents of Judah first and the glory of the house of David unto the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Do not magnify themselves against Jerusalem. So God promised a day when the weakest in Jerusalem will be as mighty as David. The heathen nations that come against Jerusalem are fighting against God's people. The nations will fear Jerusalem. Why? Because they actually fear Jerusalem's God. Who are the people of Jerusalem? The Negroes. The natives, the Hispanics, the people who've been oppressed, the people who have been oppressed, the natives who were beat up and taking their land, scout, pushed on reservations, the Hispanics who are just trying to, you know, come into the country for a better, you know, for a better life. And you have people, you know, separating them from their families, throwing them in ice, making them work for $2 a day, telling them, well, Listen, if you want to come here, just come the right way. Well, hold up. Who is you? Did you come here the right way? So what you do is you come here, rob, rape, pillage, and then you set up a law to say other people can't do it. See? And the Negroes, 99 million slaves on ships. The prison system is over 85% Israelite so we've just been attacked and this was purpose and the only thing we can do to defeat darkness is shed light on it brothers and sisters this was an extensive lesson not only for the Jews but really for Gentiles to show them where their place is in this awakening. You have a place in this awakening. So I encourage Gentiles to go over this lesson, find that, that spirit of the most high to help out his people. And I need our people, the Israelites, to understand the importance of the Gentiles. They can be utilized in this awakening. So if you have hatred for white people or or whoever, you got to stop that garbage. You got to stop it. We're God's people. We don't deal with hatred. Okay, we deal with forgiveness. What happened happened. And if it wasn't for the most high, it could not have happened. So our people have to get over this white man is the devil garbage. Because why you're working against the Messiah, you're working against the gospel. It's time to come together. That's what Satan feared. Satan feared Gentiles and the Jews working against him. Today's lesson, defeating darkness. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala, Sin no more.